All right, everyone, welcome back to the second episode of the Cords Taxidermy podcast. This is the owner and operator of Cords Taxidermy, Ethan Grother. And uh, for our second episode, I'm excited to do a couple things. Again, we're going to interview a client and talk about the deer that he killed last year. And we'll probably go ahead and talk about the deer that he killed the year before. Um, two very unique stories and two very unique mounts. Um, but we're also going to have an opportunity to spotlight a local uh, business. And I'm excited to uh, hear him talk all about it. He's He just launched it this morning and it's going to be great. So um, anyway, without further ado, the one and only, I'm going to say your last name wrong, Blake, I think, but Blake, is it Jackowitz? I yep. said it right. That's it, man. Right. Yep. So Blake, how's it Bye, going today? Money. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we go ahead and jump in? We'll talk about two things. Uh, let's go ahead and talk. Uh, Blake brought me a mount in 2021 that came from Oklahoma. Yeah, man. Dark horn, man. Yeah. Uh, Almost look Canadian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, if everybody knows that I'm from Oklahoma, uh, I moved back, I moved to Missouri about 10, about nine years ago, I moved to Missouri, but I still go back to Oklahoma during the rut. And, uh, long story short, I got, a I got a property back home that I still have. It's about 10 acres. And then I got a property right next to it that I can hunt. That's about 20. And I've, I've had that property. Well, my cousin owns it. And, uh, but we basically, I get there. Of course, you know, you can put corn out in Oklahoma. Uh, it's a feed state, (laughs) but, uh, you know, so we got feeders out. I mean, everything like that. It's, It's just, you show up. And I know this property, like back of my hand, um, I basically hunt travel corridor during the rut. Um, we got blind set up, got the feeder, uh, we got a water hole, uh, but I can kind of tell you what happened on that day. Um, so I get there and I've been hunting. I usually get to hunt about five, six days when I go down there. And we usually have a deer camp, man. We all get together and just all my friends, my family, we just kind of get together and hunt. And so we usually don't just pop anything that comes by. There's a lot of deer out there. Um, Good, good, good. I mean, there's a good population of them. Uh, But we get out there. I've seen some good bucks kind of walk by you know the first couple days but man they're just young you know i'm not i'm not all about that i think i used to be i could used to shoot you know younger bucks i think everybody has you know but you (laughs) kind of you kind of but you kind of step up you know after a while uh you let start letting them walk and you kind of see what you've been doing the last couple years and then what you've done of not killing them bucks, and then it grows to a 160 or a 140 or 
even a boonie, which I don't – it's pretty hard to find a boon Crockett. And yeah. Where I'm, but, I mean, there's one out there, I know, and I'm waiting for the year. Because <laughs> uh, it's just in a good population. There's about four lakes, good mineral out there. There's a good big farm in the area, and I'm pretty sure no one – really haunts it so it's kind of a sanctuary um but other than that it's uh it's really good area but back to wherever when i let basically the last couple days go by you know i see little bucks they're moving pretty hard well this one steps out and he kind of goes back into the brush line so i just didn't get a shot and you're talking, man, you're talking 30, 40 yards, which I wish I would have brought my bow because I would have smacked him with my bow. Unfortunately, mm. I killed it with the rifle. <laughs> That's but all right. This year, dude, this year I'm actually going to be trying to – because I got that uh, Matthews, man, VXR, and um, I haven't killed one in Missouri yet with the bow yet, a buck. Oh, okay. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I don't. I ain't shooting anything less less than two hundred, one twenty, one twenty. I, I want to try to get above one twenty. Okay, I was worried when you said two hundred. I'm like, I don't know if you're gonna kill one. For no, no. Years. <laughs> but uh, I'm dude. There's two hundreds up here. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, there uh, are. I got I got my neighbor up next door, man, and uh, you know, I mean. We kind of go up towards up north, you know, uh, you know, Osage area. Uh, man, just an awesome place. I, I mounted there. one this past season that came from somewhere between where you and I live. That was 194. Um, so they're, they're out there. Man. But back to this, that he steps, goes into the brush, about 30 to 40 yard shot. He actually kept walking to me. When he finally, you know, realized he was okay. And he, this is, of course, this is a travel corridor. It's basically, he's coming to me, kind of where the feeder is. And there's a little bit of water right there, but just real high traffic area where does travel. And, you know, I've seen them kind of younger bugs just go in the same area, just bouncing back and forth just chasing these does well this one steps out and it was actually right it was in the evening it was about about an hour hour and a half until sunlight so i mean i still had really good light but the light was like blaring in my face i remember and if anybody knows when you're looking into the sun with a scope it's it's not yeah. fun depending not on what scope you have and the scope i did have just did not it wasn't great so i it was i actually had to like kind of i felt like i had to move a little bit I, so i had to get out of the blind move over a little bit because it was just blaring in the blind i had to move over and get out of the light to shoot this buck but he steps out, comes, starts coming towards me. In my mind, I'm like, I wish I had my bow because this thing, he could have walked all the way to me and I didn't have one care in the world. Walked all the way to me, 15 yards, 
he would have probably been dead with a bow. Mm. And I'm on the ground. Oh, so, man. Like, and I, the wind was perfect that day, too, man. It was in my favor. It was coming out of the south. And I was east of it. And he just, it, it would have been a perfect deal. Um, but ended up shooting it. Uh, I saw it. I mean, it dropped right there. Um, so that was like one of my biggest ones from Oklahoma. And when I when it came up to me, man, I thought it was the biggest. Everybody's gonna laugh, but it's a six point. I like I thought it was a six point, but it's a seven point. And I thought it was the biggest six point I've ever seen in my life. It's it's a big deer still. Yes, it is. So that's the reason why it went down. But I I think it was on its downhill slope because it was. Yes. I mean, it, it was an old deer. Um, but a lot of the deer out there, man, they've got massive bases. Um, and, you know, the last couple of years, dude, I've been killing a lot of deer with massive bases, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, you know, you know, the tines and stuff, you know, they're, they're, you know, but the bases are where it's at, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can throw up uh, a, maybe like a dual picture for the cover art of this podcast. But uh, you were the reason why I wanted to have you on here. First of all, you've brought two deer in the last two years, but uh, both of your deer are very unique. We're going to talk about them both. But uh, this one, so I'll just tell my side of the story on this deal is uh, I uh, I can't remember where I was, but I got a call while I was working uh, my other job. And I, I hear this booming Oklahoma voice and this guy going, yeah, I got your number for, I don't even remember how you got my number or what you saw me on, but, uh, Dude, I, was, I was going fishing one day to Stockton man, and I passed and you got your sign up, right? Oh, there. Okay. And I wrote it down because I stopped at that gas station right there. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah's general store. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw it and I was like, man, I gotta look this up. Cause like, just see, just see what, what you are. Cause man, I like going just, I mean, I was new, kind of still new in the area, so I was trying to find someone that'll, you know, get if I get into and I basically, you know, get a hold of you, see what, how you how you operate business, see what your deer are like, you know, because I I had one guy that did my my deer before you, and he's just so busy. If I don't show up, he's like way out way way out and he's just super busy i just didn't i just gave up on him so i was in the market of trying to find someone else and i just came across to you and your son <laughs> well that's cool yeah I, did, I never knew that but uh so i get this voice and uh this guy's going man i got this deer i'm in oklahoma and he was telling me i go okay well can you get it frozen and it was like wasn't it like 80 or 90 degrees that week or something crazy oh man well okay where i'm hunting there's no electricity so yeah. it's like real deer camp so i'm like trying to get ice from the local gas station trying to keep this thing in november in oklahoma south south southwest oklahoma it usually can get up to like 90 degrees during november yeah. i mean it, it feels like it, but it gets in the 80s for sure some days but some some years are like amazing though like you can 32 at night and 
you know, it gets like 60 during the day, you know, but every year changes, but it, it was about like that year, it was about 80 degrees and I had to keep it on ice um, for four days. Yes. Which is, it's doable. I'll tell everyone this is a taxidermist, but you got to get on it right away. So that's what I told this guy. I don't know Blake from Adam at this point. And uh, he says this, so he brings it in. And the way we were talking, I'm like, I don't know what to expect with this thing, you know? So he brings it in. And long story short, it was, you know, I think I mounted it, was it four or five months later? And because uh, he was towards the end of the season and uh, for me. And uh, so anyway, I go to mount it. And when I opened that cape up, that deer's age became very obvious I, it it had the most amazing scars under the, uh, the underside of the cape. I mean, just, just a brute that had fought his whole life. It looked like, you know, and like Blake said, he's got massive bases. He's got dark, dark chocolate horns, almost like he's a deer from Saskatchewan or something. And uh, it was just really cool. And he had a couple spots that, that were, uh, you know, that just had some character in the cape. But uh I remember I told, I told Blake, you know, I'm always paranoid about those things. And we try to, every customer is going to have different preferences. And this is why I really like Blake is um, my personal opinion. Um, as your taxidermist, I'll do whatever you want to do. But if a deer is scarred up, I think you should keep the scars. And if a deer is, I like the deer. I personally, if I'm going to kill a deer and it's scarred up, it's going to look exactly the way that I killed it. And that's how Blake was. And uh, so it was very cool. But uh, when it was all said and done, uh, I said, well, I joked with Blake and I said, Hey, maybe next time though, try to kill one. That's a little nicer, a little cleaner Kate. And so, uh, which leads us into the year 2022. Was it opening night or was it the second night? The opening day, opening, opening day, day. opening day. I get a call from Blake again. And so, uh, let's lead into that story here in Missouri this time. Yeah. So I, I had a property that got folded basically I folded on like it it just got to the point where it started getting too heavily trafficked like too too many people coming in it a lot of people getting permission to hunt this property so I folded on this property that I was hunting previous that I killed a very nice I got a nine pointer that scores about 145 on the wall right now 145 150 nine pointer that come from that property but ever since then it's been going downhill so i folded on that property and i got my hands on a property that my uncle uncle-in-law owns and so first year stepping on this property i have no cameras i'm just going in there and i'm just reading the land you know just like Back in the day, you know, just kind of just going in there, kind of nowhere, deer moving. Um, he kind of gave me some pointers on where he's seen a lot of deer move. Well, when I first got proper permission, it was about two weeks, three weeks before gun opened. So I was hunting with a bow prior to that. And the first hunt on that, I've seen good deer in the area just by hunting with a bow. I almost shot one. So I almost had one for you prior to gun. So you <laughs> almost had two last year, but I didn't take the shot. But 
the second, second, eh, the second, third day after that bow hunt, um, I saw another buck. So I knew there was good bucks in the area. So there was something going on and I couldn't hunt. And that followed into opening day of gun. So opening day of gun, I get down there, just like everybody else does. Hour, hour and a half for daylight. I kind of knew an area that I was going to be hunting. I was hunting off the ground. Um, my bow stand, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the JX3. Uh, it's saddle stand. Um, you know them? I don't know that I do. You know any kind of saddle stand? like saddle Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, I'm with yep, you. Yep, yep. So that's what I bow hunt out of now is a JX3. And okay. So I didn't get in. You can actually shoot a rifle at a JX3, but I just didn't want to because I was kind of – I already knew where I was going. So I went ahead and I moved – I had my – my climbing sticks are in the tree. I I just left my jigs through the truck and I brought my rifle with me, opening day gun. And uh, I walk down and I'm hunting just another travel corridor, man. Um, this place I was hunting, my uncle-in-law, dude, I can't believe how many acorns are on the ground. Like coming from Oklahoma, I've never seen that like mm. I, I thought it was heaven dude i really do his place is just loaded with acorns so i knew kind of where they were eating i knew where they were going to be so i'm sitting basically right there kind of not somewhat on the corner of his property but i'm shooting there he you know there's fence lines that separate each property well he's cut both sides to run his truck to check his fences. So I, that makes me two travel corridors. There's woods all around. There's no field or anything. It's just straight two line, two roads. You're looking one straight ahead that leads to the front of his property. And then you're looking down another road that's heading west and it goes straight along the backside of his property. So you got two shooting lanes, massive shooting lanes. And right in front of you is basically a sanctuary. It's fully brushed. You know, it's kind of where I hunt during bow, but it's towards the front of the property. So morning starts. I'm, I got set down, I'm set up. I try to, I take my time, man, when I go down to sit, sit where I'm at. Cause it's all the way in the back of the property. I was, in the beginning, I was real scared to spook anything still i'm new to this property yeah i'm, I'm still yeah. I, I mean i don't know what if i'm coming in on a like pope and young dude two of them or three of them there you know that's on this property i don't know all i'm going off is my uncle law so i'm trying to stay and i'm taking my time you know i'm making sure my winds are right I don't want to blow my wind into the sanctuary that's in the middle of the property where all the woods is. I knew they were going to be in there. So I get all the way back there, set up, and I'm like, yes, all right. I didn't hear anything. I'm good. So I get set up. There's bucks kind of start coming out. Daylight breaks. 
I see some bugs, some little youngins, one little basket rack, a couple does. They come out on the shooting lane. Acorns laying everywhere. They're, they're chowing down. You got a buck chasing a doe, normal stuff. Then this other buck, and I almost shot it. I it was I was super close, but it, it probably about it was about 120. Really? 120. Yeah. And I almost shot it, but I it was still young, man. I but he had way potential. I've got one on camera this year, and I'll get to that. But I let him miss. I just let him go ahead and go. And he walked into the tree line, never saw him again. Um, so, you know, whenever you pass a buck like that, you kind of just, in the back of your mind, did I just make a bad decision? Yeah. You know, like, like, because I don't get to hunt very much, man. Like, I hunt when the time's right, weather's right, the wind's right, and usually it's on the weekends, unless I know that I'm on the buck that I'm after. And I'll take off work, maybe. But uh, go ahead and miss. Let him go by. Um, so we get to the point where I kill this buck. This buck I've never seen. Didn't even know it was in the area. Really? But in back of my mind, like I, I was thinking, still thinking the buck I just let walk. Literally just let walk right in front of me. It was about 60 yards in front of me, 70 yards in front of me. He come out of the tree line, and he was in that shooting lane, and he go right back into the tree line. And in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm gonna see him again. I want to judge him again because I only saw him for like two minutes, and then he went back in. He was just checking out that does that were in that shooting lane, going after the maker, and they were just they weren't even dude that those does didn't even care. He was in the area. He just he, I don't you know how bucks are. They just kind of just go back in. They they feel like they're, you know, oh man, I need to go back in this brush, man. I'm a little yep, bit too yep. I'm a little bit Felt too much vulnerable. <laughs> so I want so I hit the grunt, man, grunt call, and I hit the snort wheeze. And I didn't he didn't come out. So like two minutes went by, and I'm like, man, I don't think I don't think he's gonna come back out. So I'm I'm looking around. I'm looking at the other shooting lane, messing with my phone, and I look up, and this buck's the one that you did for me. Steps out, and I'm like, "That is not the buck I just saw." Mm. And the biggest body buck I've ever shot. I don't even. He probably weighed close to 200 pounds because yeah. I could not get him in the truck by myself. It took me. A long time and do you know those hawk uh deer carts yeah they're like portable they've got like an independent suspension now i bought that for public land around here uh but i had that with me in my truck and i got it up to when i shot it i got him up to but uh back to where i shot him uh i went ahead and he come out I'm like oh my god so i hit him with and Fortunately, it was with the rifle, but I hit him once and he dropped all the way, man, just, just right to the ground, man. It was unbelievable. I thought yeah. he was down, but I ended up shooting him a little bit high and I, I had to 
you know, shoot him again. That was my fault. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but I actually ended up having to shoot him twice. Uh, but just an awesome buck, man. So super excited. I get up 20 minutes, 30 minutes later. Well, to make sure that he's dead. He wasn't moving the scope when I looked at him. So I went up there. And sure enough, the first, first basically the first thing I thought, I'm like, oh my God. And that goes back to that Kate, that deal that you were talking to me about. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew this was a giant bug. Like it, I was man, I was like, man, his body's huge, man. But the neck on this thing, I Crazy, crazy. I've never seen a buck like that. That much character. And right then and there, I was like, because when I first came up to him, I thought he had CWD. Ethan. Really? Because, uh, I mean, he just, I mean, he wasn't skinny at all. No. No, 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 no about no. it. But when I came up to him, he was missing a lot of hair. Dude, he was just... But I knew whenever I went up to him, I was like, man, this is just an old deer. He's been fighting. Um, Brisky was all tore up. Man, next next scars. Uh, a lot of – he had a broken nose. Uh, just just a rough deer. I don't, I don't know. What do you say? You think that thing was about eight years old? Probably seven. It was – it was, it was back – I mean, it, it had to be, again, massive. Uh, that'll probably go ahead and be the cover deer for the thing, but uh, for the podcast, but just massive bases and mass that went all the way out to the end of the tines. Um, it was definitely a deer. At, he was either at his peak or heading back down. I mean. Yeah. I, he's just an old, old deer. And yeah. imagine what that deer has been through the last couple of years. Crazy. Yeah. And another thing, so when I kill this buck, all right, it goes down. I get it in the truck finally. It took me like almost an hour. Seemed like I'm a pretty big guy. I, I can lift. I can yeah, lift. Yeah, what are you like? Five foot eight, a, five foot nine? No, I'm just kidding. Six four. I'm six four, man. Like, yeah. Six, 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 man. Blake, six, six, Blake's six, a big guy. So, like, lifting this deer up, you never know how bad a shape you are until you drag a deer out. <laughs> I tell Absolutely. you that right now. Uh, but when I'm lifting this deer up out in this truck, I get it loaded up, and I stop by my uncle-in-law's house. He's on the way out. He lives in a different area. And so I stop by, let him look at it, take some pictures, you know, the whole number deal. And I get it back to the house. So it's like an hour drive from my house a little bit more so i get it back to my house and i got cell cameras out okay on this property so i get cell cameras another buck shows up it's his twin but he's younger really he's very nice like way bigger deer on inches but the body maturity yeah it's not there but inches wise bigger he had a split g2 uh it, it was massive it was it was i think it was 11 pointer and uh i still have a picture of him but that goes back to oklahoma see in oklahoma 
I could have stayed and hunted that afternoon and popped full with the buck. Yeah, that's true. Yep. If I was in Oklahoma. So yep. here you can't do that. A different game, yeah. It's, it's a different game. So I could have, I could have, dude, it been a double down in one day. Yeah. If it was Oklahoma, you know, but it wasn't. So getting that picture, just, I mean, I was super excited about that one deer, which I'm, I'm thinking about calling it stitches. Yeah. I did call it, I did call it zombie whenever I bought, I basically when it dropped the ground and I saw it for the first time, I was like, that's zombie. Yeah. Cause it just rough. He was rough, old, um, but I'm thinking I'm going to call him Stitches, man. That's been stuck yeah. with me for a minute. I so, think so. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, you know, because everyone will want to know what I think you shoot a 308, right? Yeah, 308. Yeah. And uh, what what were those bullets you were telling me about? They're, weren't they 160 something grainer? Or? No, they're just the 150. Okay. But I've upgraded. I've upgraded to 180 grade now. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Because. I had a deer in Oklahoma last year. Uh, I stepped up the game, basically, because I shot a deer in Oklahoma last year, and I could never find him. I got and, you. Uh, and I knew I hit him pretty good, um, but never could find it. I couldn't even find blood, but I knew I, I – I, so I stepped up. So I'm, I'm shooting 180 grain now. But I did shoot one one fifty at that buck PowerPoint. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you. So I'll tell you again my side of the story. So Blake calls me. Uh, I was already. I guess I was already in the shop taping deer. Um, of course, opening weekend we're busy, and I'd already killed a couple deer. So I had my two deer laying on the shop floor, um, which I'm not like Blake. Just so everyone knows, uh, my deer was 115 inches because I was sitting there on opening morning thinking about the shop. And uh, after my third text from a customer asking when I'd be there, this buck came out and I shot mine. But so Blake comes, uh, I told him, yeah, I'm here in the shop. Come on by. So I hear the door open. He brings in now, granted everything, didn't it rain that night or something? Everything was wet. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, I know I got there pretty late because I'm, I had actually br bring the deer. I actually brought the deer to, uh, Buffalo, what's that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. What's, too. That deer, what's that deer? What's the deer processing? Over to Shrocks, yeah. Yep, yep. So he got so it it was Cape, so it brings it in, and uh, he had said, I think he said something about you know the deer's kind of rough again, and so I laughed. So he brings the thing in, he brings it around to the back room in the work area, and and uh, <laughs> I just you know everything is amplified when a animal is wet, but I'm just looking at it and I'm going. Blake, this is the worst I've ever seen. And we're just like looking and I'm like, but the deer is so, it's so old. It's so massive. His, his nose, the nose bridge had been broken at some point and rehealed, um, all jacked up. I mean, this deer was just a beast, uh, as far as what his life must've been like, but I'm just like looking at this Cape and I'm going Blake, I don't know. And he's saying, well, I don't, maybe, maybe we'll do a spare. But I said, well, if we start working on this, so we were talking that through and so you're like, well, let's just, let's just go ahead and do it. And I remember thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know about this. So, um, we will release the photo with this podcast, but, um, 
I don't put absolutely every deer we mount in the shop on the uh, Facebook page. This one never saw the light of day, the pictures, because uh, I thought, you know, the people, public uh, hysteria would be, man, what did that guy do to that cape? This deer had um, the, like Blake was saying, the brisket was balded out all over the place, the neck and the shoulders. I mean, it was just mitch missing massive patches of hair all over him. And the day that I went to mount him, I, I tanned him. I'm looking him, looking at him. I'm analyzing. I'm, I'm deciding what, what sections we're going to cut out and try to close back together because Blake decided let's, let's try to do a little repair work. That's how bad this thing was. And, uh, I think I, I want to say there were over 50 stitch holes stitched on this cape. And by the time evening hit, I went to mount the deer it didn't look like I did anything. <laughs> I just remember thinking what on earth. So uh, we mounted the deer. I was paranoid the whole time about, I, sh I showed Blake pictures. Like, I don't know, but I was, I was very grateful that when Blake showed up, he said, man, that's what he looked like. That's what he looked like. <laughs> and uh, so I think stitches is more than uh, suitable of a name for this deer. But um, I will say uh, it definitely was not chronic wasting. This was a, um, all those marks were indicative of, of antler tines. This boy had been fighting hardcore and the breeding, the rub marks, all that stuff. That buck was living life at full tilt. I mean, is all I can say. And so to me, it made for, it made for a very cool mount for the person that took the deer, you know? And, uh, yeah. Hey, I'll tell you, <laughs> like I said, he'll probably, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how my future is going to be, but that was by far the biggest body buck I've ever yeah. shot. He was a massive deer. Or even seen on this. I mean, yeah. what was that neck on that thing? That yeah, neck... I was going to say, uh, in the podcast, I'm going to try to always talk about, we use different brands around uh, around here. I I, I primarily use um, two brands, Ozark Woods and Ben Mears. Uh, but Ben Mears is what we used for that one because they had a good bridged already kind of a good Roman nose for your deer, but he had a 22 inch neck, um, which is again for Southwest Missouri. Um, when you hit the rut like that, that's a good, that's a good mature deer when you hit 22 inches. And I would suspect that a year or two prior that that buck probably sported larger necks. Um, oh yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, but that was, that was not a sick deer by any means. He was just no. a, a huge old deer. Just imagine what what he's seen you know like what he's seen what he's done in his life because a place i got now and i didn't hear very much gunshots around me and around so i know there's not a lot of hunters um around my area so there's a lot of wooded area out there um so i know there's a lot of places that then deer they're feel, they feel safe man they grow yeah. dude that's how it is which is what you need uh, yeah um so i'm super excited about the future on this place i'm hunting now um yeah that but i'm telling you it's <laughs> man every morning man i look at that thing man it's in my living room man. oh uh, really yeah, yeah. Every morning, man, I wake up and I'm like, 
I could beat that, you know. And yeah, the only just... part that bugs me is when Blake has dinner guests and they say, "What's wrong with that deer?" He just always says, "I don't know." The taxidermist did something to it. <laughs> just kidding, dude. I've had I've had multiple comments on that thing. Like when you put it up against my Oklahoma buck, I've got another. I've got that nine point Missouri buck. And then I've got another Oklahoma buck. When you set them up against it, and they're all in the same area in my living room, that buck that I shot, the last one you mounted stitches, it looks like a bull compared to yes. the other one. Yes. I mean, it's massive. Yeah. I mean, uh, the inches, you know, so much not there, but just the body, neck, um, just the man, when, I just get so many comments on it like, man, that's an old deer, or man, look at that, man, look at that right there, man. Just you tell that it's been through fights, um, just so much creativity on it, man, on what you did and to make it look like it is now from what I did whenever I showed up to your shop because. I was worried a lot. I was, I was about this close to just European about it. Yes. It, yeah. Is it worth the money? But in my mind, I'm like, this is for me, man. I'm not like, I'm not showing it on a show or something, or it's going to be behind me just so everybody sees it. It's for my own, my yeah. own truck the room. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it tells a story, man. Every buck you mount, you have a story. Yeah, it's cool to hang that thing on a European mount, hang it on the wall and everything. But, man, when you get it actually shoulder mounted, I, I feel like you get a little bit more pride into it. And you just feel it's just got way more story. And whenever you look at it, it just flashes back to you what happened that day. Yeah, that's why that's why our little catchphrase here is uh, relive, reliving the moment of truth again and again, because that's what you do. You just take a glance and you just you're back there. I, I'm actually sitting right near here in the shop. We're renovating the front showroom. So for everyone listening, if you're here, it's going to look significantly different than it was um, the last few years. We're just a startup business. We've been in a little uh, I've got a 30 by 40 shop that we've been finishing out. Um, but I have my personal mounts uh, for the showroom are as soon as you walk in the door, but I've got my little chair right now while I'm recording podcast in uh, in the future, like Blake and I have talked about, we're, we'll set up a studio and do interviews in person with the mounts. Um, but for now, we're just starting out this way. But anyway, I'm sitting here in this chair and I get to look straight at the wall. And sometimes if I'm uh, either taking a break or I'm doing some computer work, I'll just set up and I'll look and, and I'm the taxidermist and I know how the, you know, what's the saying? I know how the cake is made or whatever, but I'm looking and all I can see is just that hunt, you know, um, that's yeah. why we do it. You know, you just, you sit there and, and, uh, we can all, we can go into, we don't know half the time. You don't know what's going to happen to your deer when you pass away, but it doesn't really matter once, once you're gone, they can sell it yeah. to a Mexican restaurant or, or it'll end up in a flea market. Or you can, or your, or your folks get it, or you know, your folks, but your, your kids, you just pass it down. Hopefully, you know, uh, I mean, just, it's, it's just one of your like heirlooms, man, that go down, yeah. down the line. And uh, if it, 
you know, if it makes it all the way, if the dog don't get it or it don't fall off the wall or yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, or you don't put it in a oh my biggest well, which is which is a a danger. I should I guess we can talk about this on a podcast. My personal mounts. This building has been uh, the the back area where I work and I work on customer mounts has been insulated and heated and cooled. But the front area is essentially a pole barn that we're just now finishing out and insulating and putting heating and air in. So my personal mounts have been setting out essentially in a barn for three years. And I tell people all the time, hey, uh, it doesn't matter how well your taxidermist uh, tan the hide. It doesn't matter um, how great the finish work, all of that. If you have that mount sitting out in your garage or your barn, uh, there is a fluctuation, especially in Missouri, of humidity. And in that hide is swelling and shrinking and swelling and shrinking. There's condensation. There's bugs. There's all these things going on in the greatest taxidermist on earth can't help you if you store your mounts. Uh, and I bring that up because I just had a gentleman uh, bring me, uh, he'll never hear this podcast and I won't say his name, but um, a, a local guy and he's a great guy. But uh, the guy that actually taught me taxidermy mounted these deer probably 20, 25 years ago. And uh, I was in the house, the guy's house the other day and, and the, the ears were all split out on the deer the eyes were were just atrocious all this stuff and i and i know this guy's work and i knew this this doesn't seem to add up and so i i know the guy and i said let me let me just do a quick little touch-up work which i'm not going to advertise for to do all the time but um so i brought the guy and i ended up that the eyes were completely um there was the hide was gone essentially it had rotted out crumbled um the tanned hide around the eye so i had to rebuild with epoxy uh did some touch-up work, the noses, the brisket. And so I get to looking at this deer, one of them, and there were staples down the front of its its chest. And I'm like, I know for a fact that my friend did not do that. And uh, come to find out, I say all this to say, um, this guy had lived essentially, all these mounts were stored in a barn for like 10 years. And you go, well, there's nothing I could do. So we did the best we could. I could probably, that guy's probably going to get you know, another probably they'll probably last in his lifetime. Um, but again, you know, you got to be uh, that was a little rabbit trail. Sorry, Blake. But just for so everyone oh, knows, no. you cannot store your mounts out in a barn or in an uncontrolled area. And then five or six years later, when things start cracking or hair starts falling out, go, I don't know what the taxidermist did. Um, but if you keep those mounts uh, like Blake said, the dog doesn't eat it. It doesn't fall off the wall um, and break in a thousand pieces. If you take care of your mounts, your mounts will last you your lifetime. Um, and that's oh, what's yeah, amazing yeah. is that is that we get to look at these things and uh, it's pretty cool. But uh, anyway, uh, I've I've talked long enough on my end. I, I want to also use this podcast to promote um, your new company. And I want you, I want us to tell tell us all about it. But I also want us to tell us like the origin story of how you even got into this. So uh, what is it that you're doing right now, Blake? Well, I'm the owner and operator of Jack Witt Swim Baits. Um, it's a business that I started just today. I got, it just hit the market. My baits, they're on jackwittswimbaits.com. Um, come check them out. Um, but how it all started is, it's about, 
five years ago. Uh, I was actually living in Springfield at the time. Uh, you know, like I said, I've only been in Missouri for about, you know, nine, eight years. Uh, so I moved up here because of fishing. I mean, I've always been into fishing. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Really? Uh, I did not know. I did not know that was the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Th that literally, I literally left Oklahoma after um, I was in the oil field in Oklahoma. And when that tanked, um, got laid off. It was during the 09, uh, it was like 2010, 2011, whenever like the oil field was like going straight down. A lot of people's getting laid off. Um, so I had enough money saved up and I left Oklahoma and I came up here for fishing. Um, I tried to do the whole guide service deal and uh, my, my grandparents lived on Tabor Rock and you know just try to i knew i was going to move up here eventually one year and i just pulled the trigger and did it but back in 2018 whenever i started this company uh really fully started it like legally but i made my first swim bait um got into swim bait fishing there that time and uh basically made a lot of swim baits are made out of wood man uh like especially ones from like japan it all started in japan and then flushed over here to the states uh basically glide baits top water baits these baits are nothing like the casual spinner bait or finesse rigging and stuff like that you buy like Bass pro man like these baits yeah. are baits. They are garage-made baits. It's becoming more popular every year. Um, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are making them all through the United States now. Everybody's got their own kind of just design, their own way, how to build them. And uh, so I just jumped in that rabbit hole, man. Uh open up can of worms man on that because it was definitely something that i wanted to get into because back you know everybody's kind of been through that dude where when they were a little kid they always wanted to catch the biggest fish in the pond now I, that was always their dream is to catch the biggest one in the pond or the lake and it just always stuck with me man uh till now you know like i don't specifically go there's a lot of tournaments up here that's one another reason why i moved up here too because i like tournament fishing but a lot of people just go out and catch that five and they'll try to get the biggest weight you know out of that five well i want to come in with the biggest bass i don't care about that five <laughs> you know like mm. i i'm more of a trophy I want to catch, I want to catch double digit, you know, I want to get in the teens kind of bass, you know, yeah. like that, that, that's what I'm after. I'm, when I go bass fishing, I pick up one rod, maybe two, and both of them have swim baits on it. And that's all I throw all day. And, um, 
but I started that one that I built. Crappiest thing ever, man. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, I don't think I have. That's the very first one I built, and it's built out of Missouri red cedar. And really? that makes yeah. sense, yeah, yeah. And because Missouri <laughs> red cedar is there, it's durable and it's water resistant. Yep. So like, um, and it just they make really good baits. Um, just the ugliest thing ever, man. <laughs> but, I think it looks start, pretty cool. You got to start somewhere, dude. And this is hand carved by me. You know, um, it's just an old, I just keep it around, man. I mean, you kind of like do what you do, man. You, uh, you keep stuff around that you, when you first started and you look at it and you relate to what present time and you look at yourself basically in the mirror and say, look how far I've come. Yep. You know, yep. you look at it and then what you do in present time is just complete change. Um, so that started, that was the first one that opened it all up for me. Five years down the road to this present time, I'm building 11 inch. I've got three on the lineup. I got a seven, I've got a nine and 11 inch glide, glide bait, um, resin bodies. Um, just an awesome bait, man. They catch. Catch really, really good bass. Uh, you can catch striper. Uh, I caught a 48 inch muskie this spring on really? my mid Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that on my Facebook. Uh, that was that was awesome too. You know, I really kind of want to show you that too. But uh, so this right here. Yeah. I really wanted, I really, really, really wanted to, it was kind of like a joke, but being my buddy, I got a buddy that comes from Oklahoma and we uh, musky fish every like spring, early spring, going into spring. That's usually the one we like going musky fishing. And uh, he comes up and a joke was, is I was going to take my bait and I already know that they, they were going to buy a lot of bait no doubt, but I needed to come up with something, my bait with some chrome on it and yeah. I didn't have any chrome. So what I did is I took AC tape. That's AC tape. Oh, really? And I wrapped this whole thing in AC tape, my whole bait in AC tape. And I'll tell you the link. And the very first fish I caught was a 48 inch muskie on it. Man. And it was only an hour in of our trip. And it completely, it didn't destroy the bait, but it destroyed all the hardware. And I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. See the hooks? <laughs> I was going to say that deer, that bait, nobody can see this. We're talking. Um, it, it's all chrome. It's got red eyes. It looks like, I would call that the Terminator bait. I mean, it, it is, is man. Uh, yeah. It literally looks like that T four hundred, man. No doubt. Yeah. Um, from like the second one, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, but long story short, man. Um, I started making them. 
got to this present time. I've got three on my lineup now. Um, they're on the website right now. Go check them out at jackwoodswimbaits.com. Um, if you're looking to catch PBE, personal best, or even just go out trophy hunting, kind of like what I do with deer hunting, you know. Deer hunting to me, I like going fishing. And then during the fall, I definitely still like going fishing. But deer hunting is kind of like where I go and I kind of just relax, man. I get away and it kind of puts me at ease and restarts me basically for the next yeah. year. You know, I what I mean? you know how it is. I think it's a lot of people. I need to, a couple things are coming to mind. First of all, uh, we are, uh, we haven't really done a lot of stuff with fish yet. I've been so busy. I would very much like to get that kind of department started here in the shop as well. Um, so I need, you should have brought me that muskie for, for us to do a little test. Dude, on. Uh, that's another thing, you know, and you know how much forms are going up right now and the last couple of years after COVID. Um, I've been looking up forms and you might have to kind of look up, see what you can find because the ones I found are crazy high. Yeah, yeah. It's a, 40, it's a 48 inch muskie, you know. I mean, they go. Oh, yeah. Reproduction know? would be insane, but uh, I, I know a way we could carve a body and do your, uh, do a skin mount, mess around. So, well, the four, the muskies usually, and this is up north too, man, but a lot of muskie fishermen. Unless it dies, you know, you got to be really, really careful with the muskie. Yes. There's some people out there that absolutely hate them around here, which, you know, I, I don't frown upon it, you know. I mean, you have your ways, you know, but you have to literally there's – a, there's a lot of gear on the boat, man. It's not like you're going bass fishing. You got to yeah. have bolt – basically pliers that are so much like bolt cutters, and yeah. you've got to cut hooks out of them. And you got to keep them in the water, and you've only got a certain time before these fish can, they'll die. Yeah. Um, they're very, if they're out of the water for so long, do they, especially the older fish, the 48, the mature, it's like an old buck, dude. I mean, it's just, they're out of the water for so long, they musky, they'll die, man. And they'll yeah. belly up. They, right when you stick them in the water, yeah. They get, and a lot of people don't know this, man, that musky, that when they start stressing out, their fins start turning like a reddish orange. Yep. Yep. That's why and, you got to take, uh, you got to take pictures right, right away so that your uh, taxidermist exactly. can get the colors, can get everything. Um, gotcha. The other thing I need to say, so I am not a avid fisherman. And part of the reason is my poor wife probably wouldn't be able to take it because when I say that I hunt, it's not just I hunt. I I hunt every possible thing that you can, and I trap, and I do all that stuff. So uh, it's probably for my wife's sanity that I don't dive into fishing. But if I did, I've always wanted to go really after the walleye, the muskie. I've always thought that stuff's cool. Maybe it's maybe it's the hunter in me. I, you know, my favorite thing to hunt is bears and predators. So maybe it's the teeth. I don't know what it is. But uh, now I'm thinking I may have to make some kind of deal with you to take me musky fishing and do some training or something because i'm like man you've been holding out on me i don't know yeah that that um like 
I get so many people that want to go musky fish with me, but I only get to musky fish maybe twice a year. Really? Okay. Really? I've got it down now, which has took nine about eight years to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> I never musky fished until I moved here, Missouri. So it took me for like four years. Me and my buddy did not catch nothing. Really? Like it took that long to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I'm out. No. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's a saying, man, one in 10,000 cast fish, you know, that, that you ever heard that saying? It takes 10,000 casts to catch one muskie. Wow. And uh, that, that's the truth, man. I mean, it's literally, we probably went through that and some for those four years because I think there was a couple years went by that we were going twice a year. We were going early spring, going into the winter uh on the second trip but i don't get to fishing very much man twice a year but reason why is because i got to figure it out kind of like bucks you know like you get into a property you know when they're going to be there you yeah. know when they're going to be running through you know uh you got you know over experience of that property you know when they're going to show up when they're going to be passing through, when you're going to be hunting them, you know, are you going to use that October red moon, you know, or are they going to be, you know, it's kind of the same thing with the musky dude. I mean, there's, there's high days and then there's low days, but we've got it down pretty, pretty good. We got it dialed in real good to where we only need a fish three or four days and we have enough musky to last the rest of the year. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went uh, when I killed my largest bear in uh, Ontario in 2019. I again, I'm not a fisherman, but everyone said, "Man, you need to hit." You know, they talked about the walleye and the pike and all that. And um, so I bought all the gear and I bought the uh, Canadian fishing license. And uh, I was very fortunate. I killed my bear when it was 20. It was still 29 degrees at night, um, and mm. so. I didn't deal with mosquitoes. The very next day, the temperature spiked. Mosquitoes came out. So while everyone else was getting swarmed, I already had my bear. Um, but the downside of it was it had been a prolonged winter, and I never got to catch one single. Uh, they said, if, if anything, you'll catch a pike. I didn't get to catch a pike. I didn't get to catch a walleye. And they said uh, there were some of those at this camp, uh, at this guide service. Um, it was It's kind of a... Uh, DIY on bear management lands type of situation. But there were guys yeah. from the year before that said, yeah, we caught everyone's limits every day and just had a fish fry every night. And I thought that would be, that has been my history with fishing. Everyone will say, man, you should have been here two days ago. You should have been here last year. So I might have a curse on me. So when you said it takes one in every 10,000 casts, I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it is, dude. I mean, it's it's you're talking about you're not throwing baits that are like super small, like a spinner bait or like just like a little crankbait. You know, you're throwing something that weighs almost a pound, yeah, you know, or near it all day long. And I mean, from dusk to dawn. Uh, and you can even fish these fish, you know, you can fish them at night too, but where we go, we can't fish at night. But um, 
But other than that, man, it's uh, that's awesome, man. I mean, just crazy, crazy story with that whole how I got started with the glide dance yeah. and what what it's going to be for me in the future. Um, a lot more designs that I've got in my head that I'm trying to find time to build. Uh, but for right now, I've got my glides on my bait. Uh, yeah. It's just on my website right now. Uh, took off finally. Man, it's been in the works for like the ones, the bodies that I've got now, my glides, all three of them I've been working on for like three, three and a half years, four years. The ones that I've got now, the first ones were just crazy. It's like a hole in the block of wood compared to the new ones now. The new ones are just like smooth glass. I mean, it's just, they almost look like it. They've been productive to be made, you know, in like yeah. a factory. And that's what makes garage baits so special, man, because they get, they have their own personality, man. They have their own just, and that's what the market is now, man. Uh, garage baits have become more popular in the last like 10 years than it's been since. You know, last, I don't know, I don't know when glide baits came in the United States, but I know they started in California. They come from Japan, but the last 10 years, garage baits have been, they've been going up on sales, man. And if you can get your hands on a garage made bait, glide bait, man, do it. Because it, it's definitely a life changer when it comes to bass fishing. Or any kind of trophy fishing. Yeah, and it's know. and it's. Uh, let me add, it's uh, before we started recording. Blake was showing me. I mean, these are all one hundred percent originated from Blake. His Blake, his own. Uh, he cast them himself. He created the molds. He um, everything's in house. And uh, you built a you built a shop to base this business out of you. Um, just like me, you work a day job, but you also do this, and uh, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know how it is, man. You just kind of got to kind of sacrifice a little bit of your life, you know. Just kind of just start something that you love, you know. Um, you know, I love building these baits, and you know, and I love I love the outdoors too, man. I love I, during the fall, you know, I like to go deer hunt, and man, uh, I. The future, man, especially with deer hunting, man, it's super exciting because, you know, of course, you know, I get to hunt Oklahoma too. So, yeah, that's an every year I have two sets of tags. Um, I got one in Missouri and I got one in Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, I wish I could hunt more, man. I wish I could hunt. Man, it'd be killer to go to Kentucky, you know. I got yeah. family in Kentucky. Uh, I got family in Tennessee. Um, I, I like to hunt them, you know, and I like definitely would love to go to Kentucky, you know, get in that velvet action, man. Uh, but just, you know, I just take it year by year, man. But I'm telling you right now, this year's looking pretty good for hunting. Um, I've got my cameras out. I've got my food plot set up finally. Uh, I've got some uh, pretty good food plots set up 
going into this year. Um, I don't know. Uh, I got a. Uh, I got some good bucks growing up, but a lot of my bucks disappeared. I don't know. They're probably going to be showing up towards kind yeah. of October. You know, they're what well, they are releasing that old velvet, man. Uh, they become a different char character, man, when they release that velvet. Yep. But, uh, yep. but, uh, I should be seeing them pretty soon, man. They're on a feed, they're on a different food source right now. But, man, they make her about the fall. And it's about to happen. Uh, I can feel the fall in the air, man, coming. Yep. Uh, yep. This week's the, been you nice. You wake up in the morning. I mean, you've been you've been waking up in the morning, man. You go outside, you get the itch, man. Yes. Uh, definitely. Uh, it starts. It starts opening your eyes a little bit, man. It starts kind of motivating you to get out there in the woods a little bit, man. It kind of starts scouting. Um, getting out there setting up cameras, you know, it's, if you haven't done it yet, you know, you probably need to do that a little bit earlier. I, I try to stay off my property, man. That's how I roll, man. I, it was scared to even do food plots, man. Uh, yeah. I don't even like, yeah. Cause I don't like, I don't like being in my property. dude. I, I absolutely, I don't even like showing up unless I have a weapon. Yeah. You know, uh, cause I mean, when you're hunting mature bucks, man, and I'm talking Pope and Young to Booners, man. Um, dude, they're smart animals, man. Yep. They're one of the smartest animals in the United States, man. I mean, they've been around. They've smelled everything. I, just imagine being that deer. They know it's kind of like, you know, us. You know, if your wife makes an awesome meal in the house, man, and you walk in your house, and you smell and you're like, I know what that is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you're making. You know what I mean? Yeah. Deer do the same thing. Them big mature bucks, they know when something's off. Yep. Out there. And uh, they don't like that, man. <laughs> they don't like that at all. Uh, yep. It's very, very easy to get one pushed off your property uh, yep. that you're hunting. Um, which, Another thing too is I like uh, public land hunting too. Yeah, and we jumped down that whole rabbit hole too, man. But uh, that public hunting, uh, yeah, that whole you know the pub public hunter. I think yep. that's kind of. Do you believe that that whole deal's kind of you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of ruined public hunting. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not. I'm not against anybody, um, but I was just. Uh, in fact, Dustin Gasway, he was the. First, him and Keith Skopek were the first interviewees last week, but um, he was just in the shop right before we started this one. And we were talking, I've, I've, from the way that I got started into hunting, hunting public land has been uh, a majority of what I've been able to do. And I've had to just take a different approach altogether in the last few years, because it used to be, if you were willing to put in some time and get deep, you never had to worry about anybody, but now I almost, this is just my personal philosophy. A lot of people can disagree. I was telling Dustin, I'm getting to the point that I don't even put too much effort into scouting the public until hunting season starts because I've got to, I've got to see more or less I'm scouting people when season starts now, because I, it doesn't do me a lick of good to put a lot of research into the time beforehand 
Now, granted, if there was a buck that was very repeatable and you could get to him on night one or night two of season, um, by all means, I'd say go for it. I I didn't do that this year. But hunting, the public hunting, I'll just say fad that has started, um, definitely has changed the whole game. And it, it has, I don't know if I want to say ruined without offending a lot of people, but it has definitely made things drastically different on the scale of I'm, I'm not i'm not hating on the hunting public at all no no not at all um, not a, not neither at one all, of us yeah 100 that's an awesome awesome deal that they've got going on but what it's generating is the people that are like average hunters that like me and you that know how to hunt know how to you know basically go after these mature bucks know that there's mature bucks in the area, um, have good sign, show up, you know, on time, you know, being at these, these, um, you know, mostly a lot of public land around here has different parking lots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, usually when you pull up and there's like five vehicles there, you kind of hesitate like, man, I'm not going to hunt this. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Nope. Uh, but the, what the hunting public does is it generated people that are coming in on that fifth or fourth car and they're coming in late and they're screwing up people's hunts. They're walking in late. They're walking through. You got a hunter walk right past you. There's just heavily populated people on these public lands. And, yeah. uh, well, and, and I will say this too, you know, again, I don't think these guys, if you watch their videos, they try to show a lot of etiquette to the people they meet in person. So again, we're not saying that they are promoting it, but it's, it's, it's giving the impression to, I'm going to say a lot of times younger guys that are new to hunting that the, let's just be gung ho. We don't care. It's, it's, you know, you know, the big bumper stickers, we're public land owners. It's all ours, you know, but there is such a thing as etiquette too. And, and uh, the other thing I will say is that because if they're I making. See, if I see five cars or if usually when I see three cars. If I see, car, if I see I, one or two, I'm going to a different spot. Yes, exactly. Like I will look out because that's why I'm a saddle hunter now, man. I'm, I'm mobile now. Yeah. Um, especially when you come to, you know, you're going there, you set your stand and you get it right, you know, and then you do not, and you get it set up way in advance, you know, when you're allowed to put them out there and you're, you, you did all your things right, you know, you got it set up. And then whenever you come back to the first hunt, there's about five stands beside you. Yep. And, and which, like, which is why man, I'm, I'm saying like, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm getting to the point. I was just telling Dustin. There's a spot and it's, it's not a crazy walk, but it's a little bit of a walk and you have to watch the wind for it. But I've always kind of, uh, and I'm not complaining about there being other hunters, but public land hunting has become uh, more popular. And there's a spot I've always had that, you know, of course you could archery hunt it during gun season. Um, but I usually spend gun season with, uh, my friend Keith Skopek and a few other people and we gun hunt and I'll leave it, uh, uh, this one particular public piece, uh, some places are different, but you can't have trail cameras up. And uh, so I'll have a camera out there. 
I'll, I'll see all kinds of amazing bucks and always think I should have gone there this year. It's, and like I said, it takes a little bit of walking and hiking to get back there. I had over five guys on my camera, um, hunting and I just went, it, 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 it has changed the game. And I, and I'll say the other thing that I'm afraid of for people that are coming into hunting and that is because these guys, and it's not just one brand, but a lot of these guys that are hunting public land, they're in that state for what a week, they've got a week to make something happen to get something on camera. So because they're doing that, they're making gutsy moves. Now they're experienced hunters. They know what they're doing, but on the other hand, they've got absolutely nothing to lose if they bust every deer out of the County. And we've got young people watching those shows and now they're coming in and they're not thinking through that. Hey, you want to hunt this spot two months from now and you just ruined the whole area. And you've, yep. and not only that, you've, you've ruined it for other people that put the time in. And, and again, we're, I don't think either one of us are trying to whine. We're all for more and more people get in, getting into hunting, but there oh, is, it, it, it goes without saying that there has become, uh, two major changes. Another one, I might ruffle some feathers. Um, I, I, I love everybody that hunts. I'm all for you, whatever weapon you choose. But I also saw a very drastic increase in hunters when the crossbow was made legal in archery season here in Missouri as well. And, oh. and we all have an opinion about that. I don't want to get into here it, we go. but I have seen, uh, I've seen some very, I'm just going to say, I've seen, I've met some very people that are like-minded, just like me carrying a crossbow in a public land but probably a lot more. I've seen people of a particular mindset and yep. uh, hunting ethic and hunting approach that uh, is a little Our bit point. disheartening walking into if a lot of places. If you want to say something on that whole crossbow deal, um, a lot of people listening, um, you know, started out compound and um, you know, I believe crossbow should have, since they legalized it, there should be a season during the season. Yeah. Uh, for just crossbows. Um, not through the whole year like compound. Yeah. Um, I just, it man, it's not <laughs> it's not an archery weapon, man. It's a gun, literally. I mean, it has an optical sight on top of it. I mean, yeah. Don't frown. I'm not frowning on you. I'm not frowning on anybody that shoots. Nope, crossbow. neither am I. And I, I will be. And if if you... that's your thing, if that's your thing, is that's is that the step going into archery? Then so be it. You know, but whatever. Whenever they're coming in and they get to hunt the full right beside you and you can only shoot 40, 50 yards with an archery weapon now, just regular compound, and then they could shoot over 100, round 100 with their compounds because those new compounds, they're screaming fast. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're scared. And uh, they've got it pretty dialed in. And yeah. uh, and it's becoming really popular in Oklahoma too, man. I mean, it's become popular everywhere that's been legalized. But you're starting to see the I don't know the statistics on 
archery compounders compared to crossbows, Ethan. But if you look it up, I bet it's crazy the amount yeah. of people that well, are using compounds now. Yeah, before anyone thinks we're getting too crazy here, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate on just a couple things now that we brought it up. So first of all, I will say, um, if you come in this shop, I hope I hope you know that I will be ex as excited. I love hunters. I love hearing stories. I We're redoing this showroom because I want this to be a place you walk in. I want to hear your story. Um, people like Blake or, or my other friends, they know uh, if I'm sitting there caping a deer, I want to I want to sit there and talk to you if you're okay with me sitting there working while I'm doing it. And I'll be excited for you and all that. But we all have a right to an opinion. So I will say, first of all, it's very interesting. Uh, as far as deer go, I think they've done research in Arkansas and like Wisconsin and Ohio. It hasn't increased. I think it has more to do with the uh, trade out we're having a number of hunters. It's not necessarily increasing the deer kill. But what it's hurting in Missouri is the turkey kill. I think, I don't want to misquote numbers, but I want to say it quadrupled the number of archery turkey kills the first year that the crossbow came in. Because no longer do you have to, you know, that was the whole gambit of being able to hunt archery turkeys in the fall is that it's a challenge to get drawn to, to get an animal. And now you don't have to draw. You just have to be very sly and get your weapon up. Now, that being said, I do believe that if you're brand new to the sport, um, I just had this discussion in an, another podcast. Um, if you're new to the sport, uh, when I take a youth kid hunting with a rifle, usually when they kill their first deer, most of them will go, I think I'd like to try that with a bow. So I think there's always going to be a progression. I think if you are new to the sport of hunting, you get a crossbow, you kill a deer. I have another close friend just started this year that way, went to Walmart, bought a crossbow, killed the deer on public land. And immediately got it himself into a compound boat. And I'm all for that. But I think we all have, we all have to make personal decisions and ethics. My personal, my personal thought is that people just like, you know, I think Blake and I, I think we're about the same age. I think guys in our age range that are, are fit and able to draw a bow. It's really hard for me to swallow that being a part of our archery season. I just, I don't agree with it. My personal opinion is that you should allow uh, youth and you should allow older older people that are 65 or over just like they do the hunting licenses you know under 16 and over 65 if i controlled the world that's what i that's what i would personally do but that being said i don't hate on anyone what i hate on though is the mindset that sometimes comes with um the idea and you have it in all sports you have it you know you'll see it in guys that use compounds too not to less degree and, and I've even met guys that shoot stick bows too, that sometimes are a little, not often stick bow guys are usually uh, pretty hardcore, but you'll see some people a little more flipping about what they do in the field. But um, I just don't like, I, I met, uh, we're talking on this a little long, but I met one time I was trailing a deer and, and I, I made a bad shot. It was with my compound and I ended up trailing that deer uh, onyx showed 1.8 miles on public. And, uh, the next morning I was still following trickles of blood. Um, at this, at that point, I knew the deer was likely alive. I walked up on a doe that was in the middle of dying and with a crossbow bolt and she'd been hit a little bit far back, but she was going down. It was a fresh, and here comes this guy walking through the woods. And I said something to him and I said, I think you probably ought to put another bolt in her just because, 
And he's just like, I don't want to waste a bolt. And I go, well, you know, you know, that, that was a little cringy to me, but out of the woods came two more guys, all three were carrying crossbows. And I was trying to be as friendly as I could with them. I didn't hate them for the fact they were using crossbows, but they were all able bodied and they proceeded to tell me stories about one had shot one through the hoof, trying a 70 yard shot, uh, a few days ago, another one had got shot one, got shot one and decided it wasn't big enough for him anyway. And he wasn't going to go look for it. And it was just this whole thing. And I just, I just remember thinking this just makes me sick. And that was the very first year of the crossbow. And I just, again, so I, I guess I want to clarify, we might've dug ourselves into a hole here, Blake, but <laughs> I think, I think you would probably agree with me to say that it's the overall, it's the general attitude that tends to come with a crossbow that I have a problem with. And, it, and there is, I would say your average Joe crossbows. I own one that I've used with kids. Um, I won't hunt with it, but the average Joe crossbow guy doesn't can't shoot a hundred yards and they're not that accurate. I would rather for the clunkiness, I personally rather carry a compound anyway, but there are some of those bows out there that I've seen them shoot and they shoot, they shoot lights out at a hundred yards and like you said, I just, I just go, if you're sitting on the corner of a, a field on public, it's just not even the same game compared to everyone else that's hunting with a bow. So yeah. anyway, yeah. that's my long rant. Now that we've yeah, got I ourselves think... in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we no, hate, so so to summarize, we hunt all people that hunt public. Land. We hate people that hunt public land. And we hate frostbite. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. No, no, no. And the, man, everything go back on man i mean crossbows you know like i said i've got one and uh i haven't shot a deer with it but i've got two kids you know um and just to get them into the outdoors yeah. i will set them in a blind with that crossbow and let yeah. them blast the doe blast the queen pack strap queen man and uh get some meat in the freezer man and that will tickle them more than anything and it's a stepping stone and if you use it as that then that's cool but if you're if you've been in the sport for what 10 20 years and you're archery hunting and you're still using a compound and you're a 35 40 year old man and you, you mean crossbow clearly, yeah and you can clearly pull back an archery just a regular compound bow <laughs> yeah and I'll, t I'll, I'll tell you the irony to me is i saw a guy with a uh um with a tethered setup with a tree saddle an extreme lightweight setup and he had a crossbow and i'm not again i'm not trying to judge but i'm going he was fit he was young and i'm going this one of these things is not like the other so um yeah it's just interesting <laughs> again i don't know well, I probably, I may have to cut this part of the podcast out so I don't lose customers. <laughs> but but uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, like I said, I, I want I want this podcast to be just, uh, you know, shooting the breeze with with uh, real talk about the thing that we all love. And that's that's getting outdoors oh, and, and hunting. Like I, like I said, we're not trying to doubt anybody whatsoever on what you choose to go up with. Uh, it's all it comes down to is getting that buck that's going to go to your yeah. front step and you're going to do something with it 
to where you can make it memorable for you, bring back to the home, your yeah. own base, and take pride in it. Yeah. Uh, and I should I clarify, if I lost a shoulder or I couldn't use my arm, you better believe I'd be out there so I could be out there hunting, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, disabled guys, you know, that are, I mean, out there and they're, they're still hunting, man. And they got, they got a crossbow, man. And I mean, I truly believe, man, it's just, it's the drive that keeps you going to get out there every year and go after that target buck that you're trying to get. And man, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, man. A lot of studying too, man. Um, I just see hopefully a lot, a lot of good bucks in the future, man, uh, coming your way from, uh, from me. Yeah. My on my side, because what, what I got set up now, man, ain't nothing what I've had since I've moved here. So I'm finally kind of setting up. I feel like I'm back home, man. Uh, it's back home, dude. <laughs> I know when they're coming out. I know what time. Uh, what part of the year during the rut to be there. And I'm kind of getting to that right now. Um, I'm kind of setting myself up, man. Uh, you know, I'll get some good bucks, you know. That's like with any property, man. You you get big bucks that will come through during the rut. They've traveled a mile and a half away, and they're just running does, you know. And they're just going to run through your property. But you got to be there it's hard it's hard to make time dude just yeah it, i'm not trying to jump down the rabbit hole man but uh cell cameras um i don't know if you believe in them or not man i don't know if they're a lot of people hate on them too man they think that the guys they're built for the blue collar 40 hour a week guys that can keep an eye on their property and not be there and not show up until a giant crosses the camera. Um, or, but it's still no guarantee you're going to kill that deer. Yeah. But you don't know. All that does is just give you an idea. Yeah. You don't know. That deer, there might be a uh, Hope and Young 140 or 150 class going, going right by your camera, but right behind it every yeah. morning. Crossing yep. right behind it every morning. Or you morning. get... Or you get that one picture of that huge deer, never saw him again. He he lived seven miles away and was just running, you know. Yeah, um, runs right through. Uh, yeah. But, like I said, I do have cell cameras, but it is over just air travel corridor areas. I know that they're moving through there. Um, I mean, if I get – I feel like they're better during the rut, but, like, right now – Kind of they're leaving their batch they're gonna be leaving their bachelor group soon but uh you know it's it's hard to get on to them right now unless they're on your property fully invested you've got a good food source you know like you're hunting over a massive wheat field or just some some crazy food source yeah you know they know they're there but like my food source you know food plot just put it in that will be late winter and trying to shoot for that late winter deal uh, i got winter peas out some winter wheat uh, 
turnips. Um, planted that over last couple weeks. Uh, pray for rain, man. Uh, it's been pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, we need it. It's been pretty bad, man. Uh, it's been really bad, actually. Um, I'm hoping we can get, keep up with that rain that we've been getting the last couple of days because summertime we didn't get any. <laughs> yeah. And, yep. man, there's guys out there that have that food plot set during the summer, you know, and they keep their, their deer on the property, man. But I just, you know, summertime for me and my, my job, my day job, uh, that's the most busiest time. I do not have time to be out there. And I really don't like being out there because it just goes back to when we first started this podcast. I just don't like being on the property unless it's time. Yeah. You know? Because the time you step out there, that's when you're doing your scouting. When you're hunting, you're scouting same time. So yeah. you're kind of getting an inventory set up, kind of seeing what's out there. You're seeing where they're moving, and then you make your adjustment to get you right in that area that yep. you need to be to kill that deer. Yep. So, well, Blake, this podcast is coming up on an hour and a half, so we probably better <laughs> we'll cap it. <laughs> Uh, like, like I said, man, I told you a minute ago, man, we can talk about hunting. Yeah, and we'll and probably do more in the future. We're, uh, um, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna try to set up a studio. We'll have a YouTube channel. We have a lot of ideas coming up in the future. But, uh, um, anyway, again, Blake, you just launched the the swim baits today. Um, you were telling me you've already got orders coming in. Uh, what's your website again? Jackowitzswimbaits.com. Okay. Um, Yep, and I'm all I'm all across social media, from Instagram to Facebook. Uh, yep, find me on there. Uh, kind of give you an idea of what I'm making. Um, yeah, man, I'm super excited, man. Super excited about you, man. Uh, you've done an awesome job since you know I met you a couple of years ago, and you did my first year. So you're doing a hell of a job. Thanks, man. Thanks, I appreciate that. So. Um, anyway, I uh, appreciate you and we, uh, will hopefully have more listeners on the next podcast and we won't upset anybody, but we'll see. <laughs>